Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, how's it going this week? It's going well. How are you? Doing well, doing well. We're into December football, believe it or not. And as we talked last week, you know, there's a lot of great games last week. I thought there were some good games again this week. It seems like we're turning the corner a little bit and getting to some good product. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I very much think that. I mean, just... You know, paying attention to Twitter and public in general, you're not hearing, boy, this is terrible football. I can't watch this anymore. And, you know, it's a beautiful day here in Pittsburgh, but you would think the weather is right around the corner and that changes things. You know, a team like the Giants come to mind that they could come crashing to earth with their inability to run the ball when the weather gets tough. But just when you think you know things, Tampa beat Seattle. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, it's still – far from a sure bet and you know just a month ago i think you and i were saying man no one's going to stop the patriots in the afc and they're going to moonwalk into the super bowl and well now gronk's hurt and brady was playing hurt they barely beat the jets i mean their defense isn't that good i mean i don't think they're a lock either yeah yeah i mean and that's what we need i think we need some intrigue here and you're right it was Pittsburgh, I mean, excuse me, it was New England and Seattle. Now we can't, I mean, now we can't really say that. I mean, we got to pay attention to Dallas. Um, does the Seattle loss bug you? Because here's, here's a stat that's a little scary. And I know it's a long trip from Seattle to Tampa Bay, and I know things happen. But they're getting hot. And Tampa Bay was the only team left on their schedule that didn't have a losing record. And the Tampa Bay was only 500, and then they get beat pretty good by Tampa Bay. I mean, is Seattle a team that we're going to see continue to scuffle? I thought we were beyond that. I thought we were beyond that too. And they didn't have Michael Bennett. They didn't have Earl Thomas. I mean, to me, they're those are clearly their most important two defensive players. You know, and Richard Sherman's great. I mean, that's not taking anything away from him. But and I tend to think we'll look back on it and say. That was an anomaly. You know, I mean, yeah. Tampa's better than we think. He's certainly better than what I thought. Um, and, you know, I still have faith in Seattle. I mean, they have such that been there, done it factor. You know, like the Patriots, you know, a team that's there every year. So I'm not super concerned with them, but I was shocked by that result. And part of it is because Tampa's better than I expected. Is Tampa Bay a, a playoff contender? I mean, they, they're looking like it. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they've dug themselves a bit of a hole. Uh, I think I'll be very excited about them next year, you know, because I very much am a believer in, of course, Winston. Evans is playing as well as any receiver in the league. I mean, that combination should be there for years to come. I feel like that they – 
you know, they, they need another off season for sure, but they're playing really well, and it's kind of like that no one told them that they're bad. You know, I mean, they, they have nothing to lose, and they're playing for their risk takers and their young kids, and they're playing really well, and I think they're well coached too. So that uh, that change from Lovey Smith to Winston's guy, Cutter, was probably the right call. Probably. You know, I mean, I think Winston's progressing – extremely well and that in itself has immense value in this league as you know um you know they've kept the defense still very simple i mean it's a lot less cover two and a lot more cover three and i think they need to do that because they don't you know they don't have the corners to lock people down in man or anything like that but they're tackling they're keeping things in front of them you know i think in general that they are well coached you know i mean not that lovey couldn't have done the same thing. Who knows? But um, I can't argue with the results for sure. A bright young coach with an exciting young quarterback, great receiver, and some some pieces um, and some resources to go get more going forward. You know, I, I think the future there is exciting. Much like in, in Tennessee with with Mariota. I mean, there. It, it, it's funny how the when you have a young quarterback that doesn't eat up a ton of cap space and is really good and exciting how things start to fall into place. Matt, what do you think about the Raiders? I mean, these guys are a team that just keep on winning, and yes, they have problems, but they're 9-2, and two, and if you keep on winning, I guess the problems don't matter, right? They can rush the passer. They have talent on defense. Mack is a superstar and playing at that defensive MVP level that you, know, you and I thought we'd see from him, which is great. Um, and the offense, what I love about the offense is they're one of the few teams, and Dallas obviously comes to mind, that has a really good offensive line. And and because of that, and of course the coaching and quarterback has something to do with it too, that they can play any way you want. You know, that if you take away the run game, it's still going to be, you know, you, you still have your hands full with the pass. And so many of those uh, really good receivers they have. And the way that um, – that, the car is playing, and to me, that that means they're never going to go away. I mean, I know you can look at this team and say, boy, they've won a lot of close games, you know, who they beat, but they just keep winning, and I thought, I've, I've been using your analogy all week, that remember last week when we talked, you said the Raiders are the Cubs from last year, and, and I stole that from you, and I've been using it all over the airwaves. I, I think that's phenomenal, because I think that's exactly who they are, is that they have a lot of talent, but maybe they're even better than that. I mean, if the the Patriots stumble, uh, I don't think it's crazy talk to say that the Raiders are the team to beat. Well, I mean, I still think the Patriots are better, but because of the the coach and the and the quarterback. Sure. But if Gronk can continue to be hurt, and that the defense has no pass rush, I mean, I don't know. I, the Raiders don't know how to lose right now. They don't know how to lose. These last two games is six days apart. They should have easily lost those two games. Only two wins, Denver and Jacksonville, were not last drive, last second wins. But they won seven of those games. Sooner or later, a team starts believing that they're going to win every one of them. Carr's numbers in the fourth quarter are ridiculous. I saw ESPN stat today. The Raiders in the last three minutes of games outscore their opponents 39-0 to this year. How do you combat that? That's some magical stuff going on. So I'm kind of done saying 
they're not any good and it's a fluke. I, I, you can't say that anymore. No, absolutely. You know, and I don't know what else to even add to it. I mean, I think they're a high-quality team that's been built properly that might only get better, and they might be one of the best teams in the league for the next four or five years. I mean, I'm a big car believer. Um, I would imagine they'll, they'll have money to do more things this off season. I, I think yep. that, that that line makes a lot of problems go away. You can run the ball. You can rush the passer. There's talent on both sides of the ball. I think they're very well coached. Um, is Del Rio in the coach of the year conversation? Oh, well, he's getting there. I still think it's yeah. Jared. But, yeah, I mean, he's getting there. Yeah, I'm I think, not sure who yeah. is running away with that honor, but, I mean, he has to be in the conversation. Yeah. What do you think is defensive player of the year? A lot of people are talking Mac after those two signature plays. I don't think he's quite there for the defensive player of the year. I mean, but there's nobody really running away with it, I, I guess. Who are the candidates? Mac Miller, Marcus Peters, um, Landon Collins, am I met Aaron Donald? Donald is, I didn't think you were going to say him. I was going to say, I think Donald's the best player of all of those. But, boy, it's hard to win it as a defensive tackle on the Rams, who are going to be 6-10. and 10. And I think he's the best. But I think I would, I mean, my bet is on Vaughn Miller. And I wouldn't yeah. have any hesitation with that. I mean, I don't know how you complain about that, especially watching this past weekend or, or this, this past uh, night game against the Chiefs where him and Justin Houston just put on a show. Um, Max' low start, I think, hurts him slightly, but we have a lot of football left still, and if he keeps it up, I think he's right there for sure. I don't know that I can give it to a defensive back. I mean, I, I don't know that there's a guy – that jumps off the page as the best corner, best safety. I mean, to me, that's still Patrick Peterson, but he doesn't have, you know, blow-you-away interception numbers. He just locks down Julio Jones last week, and nobody even flinches. Um, and then there isn't that second-level guy. You know, like Keekley is, to me, the best second-level defender in the league by light years, but he's hurt now, too, and they're not a good team, and, you know, there's not that giant tackle, do-it-all type of player. So uh, right. I think it's Miller or Donald. What about Averill? About who? Cliff Averill. That seems like a long shot to me. I mean, I love him, yeah. and I think it's great that you'd even mention him, but I don't think he's on those guys' level as an impact player. Yeah, yeah. Are you worried about Gronkowski's injuries? I mean, they're not stopping, and they're, and they're always these different injuries, you know? It was a hamstring early in the year. Then it was the chest, and now it's now it's the back. And 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 this is a guy who's dealt with injuries since college consistently. I mean, is this going to get in his way of really having a, a special special career? I know it's already a special career, but it, you know, I talked to, to Shannon Sharp, who said if he stays healthy, he's the best tight end ever to play by a long shot. But he's not staying healthy. Great points. You know, I mean. This is a phenomenal talent that was a second-round pick instead of a top-ten pick because of a bad back. And yeah. I would imagine, you know, when those things happen, I've, you, you and I have been around teams, doctors are saying, hey, Bill, you know, take him if you want, but I bet he doesn't have a long career. You know, and the same thing happened right. with Jay Ajayi. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of these type of guys that enter the league that medical does not – they don't love them. You know, the, the doctors say, 
this is a red flag. Take him if you want. Get what you can out of him. And by that regard, he's far exceeded expectations. And I 100% agree that when he's on the field, he's better than Ditka or Mackey or Gonzalez or Winslow or, I mean, including Gonzalez. I think he's the best tight end that's ever played. But whenever you have to rank him against those guys and body of work, I still think he's in the conversation if he quits today because of what he's done in the touchdown numbers. But, yes, I'm worried because this isn't, you know, what do you have before, like a broken forearm or something. And he plays so hard. He takes so many hits. But this is back and chest and lungs, and, you know, that's the kind of things you're reading now. And, of course, the Patriots aren't going to tell anybody anything. I'm absolutely worried, you know, not only for – now and the rest of the season, because clearly the Patriots are two different teams with and without him. But for the big picture, too, you know, I mean, all that being said, it wasn't long ago that this franchise, who's as smart as any and as frugal as any, did give him a big extension. So, I mean, maybe their doctors have come around on him, but maybe that's changed since then, too. Who knows? I mean, you hate to hear back, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just like two different injuries. And, and the reports are this one's not going to be super serious, but it took him out of the game, and he missed the last week's game. And I guess the thing that bothers me is that there's several, it's different parts of his body. He's had three different parts of his body in three months, and, and, and that just scares you because it's like Especially this guy. And I don't want to take anything away from him because he is such a stud. And I don't want, but is, it, is he breaking down? I mean, you don't know. You don't know. And there's been many great Hall of Fame players that have only lasted five, six years and, you know, were phenomenal and were a shooting star, and that happens in all sports, especially football. And, you know, my dad has a really, really bad back, and we all know people that have bad backs. And nobody used to have a bad back. <laughs> you know, I mean, once that happens, right. it's there forever. I mean, Romo and all these guys. Right. Right. Hey, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, a month ago, it was the flavor of the, of the month to talk about how bad he regressed and all these, you know, paper paper superstar, you know, I'm, I'm a scout, but I've never been paid to be a scout, but I'm a scout. That, oh, he's, you know, this guy is really falling apart. And he doesn't look like he's falling apart. It seems like since that talk, he kind of pissed him off, and he's been pretty damn good, and he was great last night. He out of the woods as far as people thinking that Aaron Wood, Aaron Rodgers is done. Oh, I think so. I mean, I think he's back to being in that conversation as the best quarterback in the league. And I mean, I wrote an article about him. I don't know, five six weeks ago, saying he ain't what he used to be, and I don't regret it because to me, that's what the film showed. And I'm a big fan. I mean, I think he's underrated when you talk about the greatest quarterbacks that have ever played. I mean, I think he's not far from that conversation. Um, but I do think that when you look back at his career, at the end of 15 and through half of 16, he slumped. And it wouldn't shock me if he had a shoulder we didn't know about or something. You know, I mean, a lot of times when those things happen, there's an injury that not the whole, the whole public doesn't know about. But his supporting cast was letting him down. It looked like he didn't trust his receivers nearly as much as he had in the past. You know, those back shoulder fades to Nelson and those kind of things are coming back. They still don't have a deep threat. I still think that that scheme doesn't do him any favors. And you can't forget, I mean, they don't have any running game. <laughs> I mean, they have wide receivers playing running back still. Yeah. They have nothing to lean on. You know, Eddie Lacy's a free agent at the end of the year. 
they might be the team to trade up for Leonard Fournette. I mean, I know that's not their style, but they need a running back. Well, you know, that was, I think Ted Thompson needs to change his style once in a while, you know, and and, and just because this team is you're – waste, you're wasting your quarterback, your Hall of Fame quarterback's prime years if you don't get him all the talent, you know, as possibly can. Absolutely. And it's easy to say Thompson's a great GM, and I'm not saying he isn't. His track record's very strong. They've won a lot of games. But they've also gone from Favre to Rodgers. I mean, that's a pretty nice situation to fall into, and it's made a lot of mistakes go away. And I'm all for building through the draft. But when Peppers and Jared Cook are basically your only free agent additions on the entire team, you're just playing from a smaller deck than everybody else in terms of acquiring quality players. I mean, would it be so terrible to – yeah, I'm not saying you have to be in the first wave of free agency spending a ton of money, but after that week or 10 days or so go that all the big names are gone, go sign a B-minus free agent to be your inside linebacker so Casey or so, so Clay Matthews doesn't have to play out of position. You know what I mean? It's not that big a deal. Right. Right. I want to – didn't Patriots make a mistake? I mean, I know the answer is yes, but – Trading Jones and Collins, did, did did Belichick outfox himself? Is this going to cost him a championship? We don't know one one millionth of you know of the inner workings of that building that Belichick does. And if those guys were disruptive or lazy or bad influences or bad people off the field or something along those lines then it was the right move to get him out. If it's addition by subtraction with them not being in the building it's right move to get them out. But watching both players on tape in New England and especially Chandler Jones this year in Arizona, I absolutely think the Patriots, and it wouldn't have affected their cap for now, would be clearly the best team in the league with those two guys on the field. You know, Chandler Jones is a wrecking machine this year, and he's going to get paid a ton. And I get that they got two second-round picks out of it back, and, and that's great. You know, I mean, you've got to reinforce your, your youth and your, you know, bringing guys along. And they didn't, and it's easy to forget, the Patriots did not have a first-round pick in this draft. So, you know, they had to bring something in in terms of, of talent this year as rookies. But, man, if they had Chandler Jones on the pace he's at, as, along with Collins and his versatility and athleticism, you can't tell me that that defense wouldn't be two steps better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the one to say uh, Belichick blew anything. But if he could have got one more championship out of these guys, I, I just don't see the the downside of that, unless he didn't think they had it in them, you know. But they're not the defense. I mean, they had Collins this year, and they let him go. And they made a point, but the defense hasn't gotten better in the weeks that he's left. No, absolutely not. And, I mean, at least the Jones one you looked at and said, okay, they signed Chris Long and this Flowers kid looks like he's going to be a good player. And they got two pretty much premium draft picks in return after not having a first-round pick. Where Collins, you know, all they did was – was get a third-round pick a year earlier. <laughs> and you can't tell me he's not worth that. And I think the Browns were very shrewd to scoop him up. 
I bet they franchise him. I mean, they're not going to let him go. They've got gobs of cap space. And they got a much better player than they would have gotten with, you know, a supplemental pick in the third round. Right. Yeah. What's up about and some more I mean, West quarterbacks? He doesn't what do you think about Goff? Himself, you know, but he's a great player that, you know, use him right. 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 Hey, want to move the conversation over to the NFC West quarterbacks. couple guys. What do you think about Jared Goff in his second game? It seemed like he gave some life to that offense. Much better, no question. And I think a lot of people have already written a story on Goff, that they – they watched hard knocks, and he wasn't impressive and couldn't get on the field and didn't have a good preseason. And that first game, he really struggled and looked overmatched. So he's going to be a bust. He stinks. You know, well, give me a break here. This guy was a first-round pick for – first overall pick for a reason. He made some very, very nice throws in that Saints game. And that Saints defense is better than it used to be. It's not the worst defense in the world. I mean, they're – uh, they're healthier now. They're pretty well coached. They don't break down. It's not a pushover. You don't tell me that that was against the Saints. It doesn't matter. Um, as the game went on, you know, he struggled more. But uh, I thought he was highly encouraging, much more comfortable, seemed to be doing things at the line of scrimmage, showed a first overall pick, you know, in terms of throwing the ball, touch, downfield. You know, they weren't all – super short, unbelievably easy throws like they were in his first start. And hopefully they're going to give him a little more and a little more. And we'll see. Uh, Gurley needs to do more, though. I mean, Gurley's a great player. The line is a problem. But I need to see more from Todd Gurley. Does I mean, should Goff be in there completing some passes and giving them better quarterback plays? That should help Gurley, right? You would think. I mean, I, I think – the the narrative. I mean, the, the 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 plan has to be these two grow together. They help each other's cause dramatically. The if the line's awful, that's going to be a problem always. But you know, you can live with Britt and Tavon Austin and Higby, and you know, I, I know that's not ideal. But if you have a big time running game and a quarterback that's getting better on the Mariota path, um, you know, or even you know, Wentz and Winston and these guys have been high picks. You're okay, you know, and you can manufacture. You can get by with average players in the offensive line if you scheme things well and you got great players around them. So I think it's easy to laugh at the Rams and say Fisher doesn't know what he's doing. He's going to be seven and nine every year, and I'm not sure that's untrue. But um, these two players is who's going to sink and swim the entire organization. Yeah, yeah. So Goff, Goff has given you some hope that there might be something there. Yes. I mean, obviously a tiny, tiny sample size. Right. But by no means after one, you know, game was I ready to say he can't play, that he's a bust. Right. And well, this was a big first reaction. And if he continues to play in this realm, that'd be great. And, you know, I, I only didn't expect him to go to New Orleans and keep up with Drew Brees, who's playing out of his mind. And maybe he should be in the MVP conversation, to be very honest. Um, but I also wrote that, Maybe Goff in the off season should study Breeze and try to pattern his game after Breeze. I mean, they have some qualities that are similar. Interesting. My my first reaction to him not being terrible in the first game and being pretty okay in the second game is, why didn't you play him earlier? I mean, what are they waiting yeah. for? I don't I, I don't think there's any excuse for that. 
We don't know that answer. I mean, if he couldn't change a protection at the line or if he didn't know the playbook, then you can't put him out there. And I think Fisher's been doing this long enough that he deserves the benefit of the doubt that that must have been the case. But you're right. I mean, clearly he's – I'm not saying he's better than Keenum right this second, but his upside is ten times what Keenum's is. And he has to get on the field. And – He's only going to get better by playing. So, yes, I mean, unless he, you know, he sees a blitz and doesn't know how to change the protection and is going to get smacked in the teeth, then, yeah, he needs to be out there. And I'm glad he is. I mean, I guess you can look at it half full and say, well, at least he didn't redshirt his entire year and he's going to get, you know, at least close to half a season of tape and seasoning to say, okay, he might be, you know, at least we'll know more. Right. Yeah, I I, I I don't know. It's It was just a weird thing. Another weird thing has been Colin Kaepernick's career, talking about on the field, of course, up and then down. And now he had a, he looked pretty good against Miami, man. He almost threw, he threw for three touchdowns, almost 300 yards, and he ran for 113. That's signature classic Kaepernick. Did he – is he going to create a free agent market for himself? I mean, any market – it's really interesting. <laughs> you know, I mean, early in the season, I thought nobody wants this guy. Plus, he's throwing the national anthem things. I mean, there might be owners and fan bases that say, don't bring him to town. But I also think maybe the Niners would be smart to keep him there for a year. You know, I know they're going to pick second in the draft, but I'm sure you're hearing this too. And I haven't done the homework myself, but it sounds like it's going to be a terrible quarterback. Terrible. Draft. Terrible. Like, so, don't make that mistake. Like 2013, right. you know. Don't take the guy that's 25th on your board, second overall, just because of the position he plays, when you could get that pass rusher from A&M. You know, I mean, when you can go get a stud or the best receiver in the draft. or It's not like you don't have other needs. So is there a way – I'm not even suggesting you franchise him because that's expensive. But maybe you keep him around for one more year, evaluate him for 16 more games in Kelly's system, He's clearly a playmaker. He's playing well. There's nothing around the guy, <laughs> and um, he has his faults. He doesn't throw the football great, but he still makes throws. He misses throws. He makes throws. You know, he's not going to be consistent. But who's your quarterback next year if it's not him? I mean, you can bring in Jay Cutler. I mean, is Tony Romo going to go there? No. <laughs> I mean, there's no one in free agency. Um, it's clearly not Blaine Gabbert. So... Who's your quarterback if you're the Niners, assuming you don't like someone in the top two or three picks, and or it's bad business to use that pick there anyways? I think he could do a lot worse than Kaepernick. I mean, he's won games in this league. Well, if you know, he's still a young man. He's still right. in his prime years, so if he's figured it out, him and Chip, because they have a pretty good rapport together, and it might be the best result for both sides, like you said. What is the 49ers' other answer? Is it Christian Ponder? It, it's not Gabbard. It's right. not going to be a rookie. And then on Kaepernick's side, nobody else is probably going to pay him more. And like you said, the whole off-field thing, how no matter what anybody believes, there there will be a lot of issues if he, if he goes to another team. He'd have to answer the same questions again. He'll get booed by the fans again. In San Francisco, it's over. It's accepted. He's not going to be asked about it as a new thing. So it may be the best place for both sides, and I don't think I would have thought I would say that two, three weeks ago or two months ago. 
the one thing I would like to know, and of course we never will, and Steve Young wrote a really good article, it was a year or so ago, about Kaepernick, basically saying, if you want to be a great quarterback, and he knows from experience, you have to be a film rat. You, you know, that has to be the most important thing to you. And, not, and this is off-field stuff aside, but he basically said in the article, Kaepernick's not putting in the time to be great, and he's not getting better in the small aspects. And that's very true. Is he now? You know, it, how important is football to Colin Kaepernick? I don't know that answer. I think it's a question you can that needs to be asked, though, about him more than most starting quarterbacks out there. I mean, prove to me well, that that's high, high on your priority list to be great. Right, and I want to be very careful in saying this because this is not my feelings, but, you know, he spends a lot of time studying these social issues and – you know, and the history and all that, and it's very important to him, and that's great for him. And I'm not saying this from my words, but I know there's some coaches in the league that want their quarterback especially to be a non-social, just football, 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 and that they don't want that from their quarterback, whether it's right or wrong, but that might turn off some people. And I have no problem with that. From I want my head coach to think that out of my my quarterback. You know that uh, he has to be first one in the building, last one to leave. I mean, it has to be a plus important to him. And I'm not saying Kaepernick is this guy or not, but it wouldn't shock me if he is. That he plays quarterback in the NFL because he can, and because people pay him a lot of money, and because it gives him a platform to do what he wants, you know, that are other than important to him. And that doesn't mean he's even a bad guy or anyone along the, that plays in the league is a bad person because that's what they're good at. I mean, uh, to me, that separates some of the great talents. You see a lot of defensive tackles that come into the league that, you know, the, the, the effort level is not phenomenal. And, okay, you know, I mean, if, if I didn't love football and somebody paid me $12 million a year to do it, I would still probably do it. And that doesn't mean you're a terrible human being even if I loved arts or music or history or whatever more, and in the perfect world I could make $12 million doing that for a living, you know, and that's a big part of scouting is really finding out how much does this player love it, how important is football to him, and it's hard to find. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to know that. But that, that's, a, that's a big part of the draft process, isn't it? That, that question is asked a lot. That's why they talk to – this, this, you know, the high school principal and all that stuff. They want to know football character. Absolutely. You talk to the lunch ladies. You talk to the people that clean up the facility. You talk to their math teacher. You talk to everyone. And as times 100 if it's quarterback. And they want that math teacher to say, I, that kid studied his film, his, his playbook, and he never did his homework. That's what they want to hear, you know? <laughs> right, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, when I was at, I was coming to 49ers every day during the 2013 year, that was the year they went and uh, lost to Seattle in the NC title game, and Kaepernick was mostly good. He was known for getting to that facility at 5, 6 in the morning. I mean, he he had a worker's reputation. I don't know if it's still there, but he did have it at one point. So that's promising, and he was successful. And I also think that in a little bit that – the, the NFL has caught up to the, quote, running quarterback, and Kaepernick came in the league at the right time when read option was new and guys like RG3 and Newton and Tebow were excelling. 
and it's somewhat of a you know a, a fad. Not not it's not as much as like the Wildcat, but I mean it hasn't gone away. So we all knew that you know like an RG3, you have to take that next step and become a pocket passer, and that takes a lot of time and a lot of development to your craft. But I also think the system he's in right now is helpful too. So. I don't know. If I'm the Niners, I'm not saying, boom, you're gone. I can't have anything to do with you. He might be the best option for the next couple years and maybe longer because there's nothing. I mean, it comes down to what else is out there. And and that's just, that's just not something that we thought would, would happen, right, a few months ago. No. It was just a – this seemed, seemed destined for a divorce. But, it's, it, like you said, it, it makes sense. Now, asking about if something made sense Sunday night, what do you think of Kubiak's call to, to go for the the field goal, the 62-yarder? I, I mean, people that listen to me know that rarely am I the Monday morning quarterback where I criticize coaches because it's just not what I do. But at the time when it was happening, I was so into the game, I was talking to the television set by myself in my living room going, do anything but kick the field goal. I'd rather you went for it or punt it here because he's not going to make it. And I meant to put it on Twitter, and it sounds easy to say on Tuesday afternoon, that do anything but kick the field goal. And I didn't because I was caught up in the game. But I did believe that at the time, that the worst of the three options to me was kicking the field goal because if you miss it, and what's the chances of it going in? I mean, to me, it's such a long shot that you give – you know, a division rival in overtime, better field position than you had when you made the kick. <laughs> you know, I mean, and all they have to do is get a field goal to win it. Uh, to me, that was foolish. You know, and I see that, and I know I'm in the minority, and I, and I did tweet this a few minutes after the game. I know I'm in the minority, but I'm okay with this because he needed to win, and he tried to win, and, and, and that was – and w- let's look at it this way. He had a horrible situation on his hands. He did. I mean, probably none is, of the three. I mean, that's where out. coaches make their money. No, I bet thirty-one coaches in the league, including Andy Reid on the other side, said, "God, I'm glad I didn't have to do this." Look at his options. You're on. You're in their territory. It's fourth and ten. Fourth and ten is in that situation is almost as hard as a sixty-two yard field goal. You had right. a guy making it in warmups. You're in the only stadium that it's feasible that it could even happen in and you have a chance to win right there and and you have a defense that you trust to stop them but it was a bad it was a all three options were terrible i don't think punting would have been i would have taken that out because that ties the game and here's my bottom line if a tie is better than a loss if there's no other options at the end of the game but when you, you can't bypass a chance to win for a tie. And he didn't do that. And Elway tweeted out yesterday, we're always going to go to win the game. So I was okay with it. And I knew all three options were terrible, but at least he went for it. And, yeah. and his team and his team's not mad at him. The defense is probably mad at themselves. And they're going to bounce back probably even better than they would if they had tied because at least they know they went for it. And the defense didn't play well from that point on, which none of us would have expected. You know, they, they kind of let the team down, which, you know, they, they were in the game because of the defense. This is really hindsight, but I, I, and I, and who knows what's going through their minds, but I wonder if it's, you know, it was third and ten to play before. And right. they threw the ball pretty deep downfield, from what I recall, 
probably in a one-on-one matchup that they liked because Kansas City was playing a lot of man coverage, and they were doing a pretty good job of getting especially Sanders open at that point in the game, that they had found things they liked, and they didn't convert. But I wonder if you think about it, and it's easy to talk about on Tuesday, that on third and ten, maybe you throw a screen, or maybe you run a draw, or just hand the ball off and pick up five, and say, and then, then your decision's so much easier. But, again, that, that's asking a lot from a coach, and, and I have the benefit of hindsight. Right, right. No, it was, it was pretty – Pretty interesting situation, and, and and coaches will study that in the off season. What in that? Because that that was just the holy grail of bad situations. You know, you're on the 44. You're you're closing up. You you are in Denver. There's no timeouts. You know, what are the odds of getting the fourth and ten, and then getting down there and getting a couple? It, it was it was a tough situation. I want to ask you one topic on, on Trevor Simeon, and I've asked you this a lot this year. And I'm not trying to change your mind because I, I know that you're not a big Simeon guy, and, and I understand and I respect your opinion. And I'm not trying to say, now do you finally get it? But he seems like he's figuring it out. Is there anything there for you, or are you still not sold on him? And again, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm, I'm just, I want to know your opinion. I thought he played really well, and I think he's been playing pretty well of late. He's taking more chances. The offensive line isn't helping him. The running game isn't helping him. The right tackle situation's a massive problem. Under a lot of pressure, I thought he used his feet um, pretty darn well and bought time. I mean, I still think. I mean, in the big picture, I I, I really like you know the, their situation in in that I see it this way that I think Lynch is going to be a star. And Mariota's going to be his Kubiak. You know, not that Lynch is going to be Elway, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it'll be long before Lynch is a very good quarterback with all the tools, and Simeon will be his sidekick for years to come. He'll be the Jason right. Garrett, the Aikman. You know what I mean? He'll be Kubiak to Elway. And that's great. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know that the Niners or the Bears are going to be beating down Denver's door you know, like a Garoppolo situation where we'll give you a premium pick for your quarterback. But he's getting better. And it probably was just a week or two ago I was saying, man, you might need to start thinking about Paxton Lynch if you're the the, the Broncos. And that's wrong. I, I think it's Simeon the rest of the way. You take your shot with him. You hope your defense wins games and he's getting better. And in the off season, you hope that Lynch becomes the man. Yeah, uh, I think Lynch has a real possibility. But the thing I like about Simeon is nothing bothers him. Yeah. And, and nothing, nothing's bothered him since the first game. And But you don't see him as a starting quality guy in a trade possibility with somebody that you don't see that as a real feasible deal? Um, not really. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I think he's a lifetime Brian Hoyer maybe a little better than that. I think he's limited physically and not great in all the other areas enough to make up for it. But that probably means he has a 12-year career and makes millions and millions of dollars. I want to go show a little kind of a, a, a minor thing as far as the NFL goes, but pretty interesting from a scouting perspective. Yesterday, um, I think it was the Lions – 
who signed Logan Thomas to the, the former quarterback flame out big guy yeah, yeah. to the practice squad, and they're going to convert him to a tight end. And today, Buffalo signs them off that practice squad to the regular, to the fifty-three man roster as a tight end. As a tight end. Yeah. See, I, I, I mean, remember when he came out of Virginia Tech he, that there was a lot of talk, you know, like when he went to Senior Bowl and things of, hey, why don't you take some reps at tight end? You know, he runs a, he's a big, big dude. He's smart. He runs a four six five or four seven or whatever. But you know, this conversation was always out there with Tebow too. Like, well, why don't you become a tight yeah. end? Well, this isn't exactly the training grounds to learn how to catch an NFL football from Tyrod Taylor or Matthew Stafford that can throw it through a wall, let alone run a route. I mean, rookie tight ends. It, other than quarterback, it's right there with corner as the hardest positions to play. You know that rookie tight ends don't come in this league and do well. They got to block. They got to you know they got to adjust on the fly. I would be shocked if it works out. But you do see it. You know, I mean, basketball converts to come you know to turn into tight ends, and he can be your emergency quarterback. And I hadn't heard that story, but when you said the Bills plucked them off their roster, I thought they were going to be. A Cardell Jones, big arm, Tyrod Taylor quarterback prospect for them as a developmental guy and not a tight end. Yeah, the, the report says potential tight end, but I just think it's fascinating that one team studies them, figures it out, says, okay, we'll put them on our practice squad and we're going to convert them to tight end. And then another team the next day said, hey, that's a great idea. And they signed them to the regular, to the 53 man roster. It's just, I just, that's a rare story to me. Yeah, and I hadn't heard it till now. I mean, it's craziness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Logan Thomas has to feel great. Detroit has to feel a little spurned, maybe a little used, you know? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. But, it's yeah, it's just, it, I just thought it was a unique situation. And that's why we got you on here, Matt, because you're the scout, and we appreciate it. Uh, great week. Thanks a lot. Thanks for everybody listening to No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson, and we'll be back with you next Tuesday. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.